0: All right, this is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. It is a jam-packed show today. You know, I do show planning well in advance and then a lot uh, kind of on the fly as well, a little mix and match because you never want to get too locked in on an idea or something and then be like, ah, oh, well, I actually, this is actually really what what I wanted to talk about instead, things like that. So um, you know, I, I do quite a bit of planning in advance, as one should in, in this business, in any business really want to be ahead of the game, but I kind of left space on today's show just because I felt like it was going to be a big day. You had the Wolves and Wild both playing Wednesday night. Um, I was over at the Gopher Football Pro Day on uh, on Wednesday morning, afternoon, just kind of checking out the scene there. A lot of Vikings coaches, Vikings personnel there, so that was interesting. Um, Vikings free agency, NFL free agency, right in the thick of things. He had Aaron Rodgers on uh, Pat McAfee's show on uh, on Wednesday. Um, I went over to go for women's hockey access as they prepare for the Frozen Four. They play Wisconsin tomorrow night in the Frozen Four up in Duluth. So um, on today's show, you'll hear some audio that I got over there from Taylor Heisey, their excellent forward, and from uh, Brad Frost, their head coach. So it felt like there was a lot going on. I didn't want to leave myself too boxed in on one main topic. So it's going to be a little bit more of a of a jumping around today, not not so much focused on one thing, but a lot of little things or a lot of big things, um, I guess, that, that, that I will want to talk about. So like I said, we'll get to the wild in a little bit. They had an 8-5 win, old-time hockey, kind of a throwback to a long time ago It' also throwback to last year when they won a lot of games like that. Um, almost had a goalie fight that game too. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, the Wolves with a frustrating loss to the Celtics. Got some Chris Finch post game uh, comments on that. Carl Anthony Towns injury update, non-injury update. Hey, if I if I'm ripping the Wolf for not giving updates, I've at least got to give the update that they gave on uh, on Wednesday, even if it didn't tell us much. Um, like I said, we'll get to that women's hockey stuff in a little bit as well. Um, but first, what did I miss? Let, let's start with the NFL. Even though they did not play a single down of football yesterday, the NFL manages to still remain squarely in that news cycle. Um, like I said, I was over at uh, Gophers Football Pro Day. A lot of their, you know, a lot of their top draft eligible players going through a lot of workouts for NFL teams, NFL scouts. I mean, the combine already happened a few weeks ago, but this was a chance for. Some of those same players, but also some of the players who didn't get invited to the combine to show what they've got in front of scouts. Um, interesting thing from that. I'm um, gonna we'll get to a bunch of things from that, but interesting thing from that. Like I said, a large Vikings contingency there. Quay Adolfo Mensa was there, their general manager. A lot of uh, other you know front office personnel was there. Kevin O'Connell was there. All three of uh, of the Vikings coordinators were there: offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, this is kind of funny because it was you know the last day before. The league year started before free agency officially began. You had this kind of two-day window that started Monday, where teams could negotiate. But you know Wednesday was the actual start of the new league year. So you'd see Quasey go over and take a phone call at some point. It was kind of a sea of people, but you kind of had eyes on on people as you were over there. You see Quasey go take a phone call. You're like, ah, is something going on? Something going down? Um, we'll get to the one thing that they really did do in a minute here and they've got some news conferences here coming up but it's just with an interesting kind of scene over there i've been to a few gophers pro days over the years it had been probably a few years at least since i'd been over to one um this was a much different experience than my past gophers pro days um a because the vikings contingency there was huge and that has not been the case in the past that i could remember I i i was told and i do remember from my own memory that uh the Vikings have not sent such a large contingent in the past, especially during the Mike Zimmer era. There was not typically as much of a Vikings presence there on Pro Day, and it would, it would have been understandable if there wasn't on Wednesday, like I said, because there's a lot of going, you know, a lot going on right now with you know with with what's going on with the you know free agency and stuff like that. But they were there. They showed up. They were there for hours on end, checking out the Gophers players, mingling stuff like that so that was kind of cool to see pj fleck obviously was there as well um and a lot of other people um you know in that mix a lot of other nfl teams obviously checking out uh checking out the gophers i think there was a rep from every team if i'm not mistaken so cool to see that um part of that scene was kind of funny because i was you know it was about it was around noon and i was like well this uh, the pat mcafee stuff is about to start i got to turn this on check this out um so i'm kind of to, got, a, got an eye and an ear on both things, listening to Aaron Rodgers, and my goodness, um, we're gonna transition into Rodgers now. We'll get we'll get back to the one Vikings thing here in a minute, but Rodgers, my goodness. Now I get some, you know, people say I talk too much about Rodgers on this show. I don't know. I, I gotta go there today because him on the Pat McAfee show on uh, on on Wednesday was just next level. Aaron Rodgers needing attention it was it was unbelievable it was an amazing performance by Aaron Rodgers you know basically just outlining his process outlining his kind of where he was at the as, as the off season began where he was as he started this darkness retreat you know a week or two ago and where he is now and he started off talking you know they kind of had some pleasantries it was five ten minutes of kind of nothing kind of joking about the darkness retreat but pretty quickly got into kind of the meat of the subject. And, you know, he he did take great pains to say, you know, I'm not here to make some grand revelation. But he did kind of say, like, hey, you know, my intentions have been made pretty clear over the last several days. And so he kind of had a hint of what was to come. So basically he starts talking about how, you know, what when he was drafted in 2005, the Packers front office was a lot different. Yeah, no kidding. It was 18 years ago. A lot of NFL offices front offices have turned over in 18 years. And he starts talking about how um you know, they drafted Jordan Love in 2020 and you know, their their thought process there probably was that they wanted him to replace Rodgers eventually and then he goes out and wins back-to-back MVP awards, kind of forestalls that a little bit. Um and then starts talking about how before he went into the uh, you know, right right at the end of the offseason, he he believes he was told by the Packers that they wanted him to come back if he wanted to come back and that he could keep playing and retire as a Packer. And he said sometime during the darkness retreat, that must've changed because when he came out of the darkness retreat, um, something had changed. He was starting to get wind that the Packers were shopping him around a little bit and that, uh, and that that was no longer the case that he was going to finish his career with the jets. And he said when he went into the darkness retreat, he was, it uh, was no longer going to finish his career with the Packers. Uh, and that maybe the jets were on the, on the, on the radar. So, said when he went into the darkness retreat said he was 90% committed to being retired um which i do not believe i 100% do not believe that he was ever committed in any way to being retired or was anywhere close to being retired aaron rodgers will not retire willingly aaron rodgers will need to be told that he can no longer play professional football. Aaron Rodgers is not the kind of guy that is just going to walk away from football, and I don't think it's because he loves football more than anybody else. I think it is because he loves the attention more than anybody else. Once you retire from this game, you lose this platform. This Pat McAfee show, when I was watching it, had like 500, almost 500,000 concurrent people watching at the same time on the YouTube stream. 500,000 people We're all watching at the same time because this promised to be some sort of insight, some sort of revelation into the process. Aaron Rodgers, you know, when he plays on Sundays, millions of people are watching. But but you know, this sort of spotlight, this hanging on his every word, this you know, this elevating him to this place, this this you know, people caring so much about what he's going to do. That goes away the minute you say you are actually retired. The minute you actually step off the field and do not play any more so I do not believe for a single minute that he was really actively contemplating retiring I know he's at an age 39 where that would be a logical next step for a football player also though if you retire you're giving up a lot of money I know he's made a lot of money already probably does not hopefully does not need any more money but athletes have a way of wanting to keep cashing those checks if they can and he's got a lot of money coming to him but I think for me the thing that's keeping him in this industry, that's keeping him in this business is the attention. That the the attention is what he craves. And man, he got it Wednesday because he said it was 90%, 90% I was thinking about retiring, but then I went into the darkness retreat, started thinking about what it would feel like to be retired, started feeling about started thinking about what it would feel like to play again. And I respect that. Again, if this is all part of his process, I respect that. I like someone who's going to make a decision, an honest decision, who's going to come to this in a way that is authentic. I do appreciate that, but I do not believe he was ever contemplating really retiring. I think when he came out of it, found out that the Packers were moving him around or thinking about shopping him around, he got very keen on the idea of playing for the Jets. Now, here are a few of my favorite Rodgers quotes from that whole appearance. First one was the point where he actually said the thing out loud that we've all been reading about and re- you know the reporting has been for a week. He said, quote, I made it clear my intention was to play and to play for the New York Jets, and I've been, I haven't been holding anything up. It's the compensation that the Packers are trying to get. The Packers want to move on and have let me know that have let me know that in so many words. So basically, he's saying the Packers are trying to squeeze more compensation out of the Jets, knowing that they want Rodgers really bad. And now Rodgers saying this, I think, probably gives the the Packers even more leverage if they know the Jets are so desperate now to get Roger that they're all in on that that they've already signed one of his guys alan lazard to a contract that maybe they're trying to get other guys uh that to me is really interesting um also interesting was him disputing this idea that uh that he's given the jets a wish list of players to go get uh, they already did get alan lazard it's been reported that he'd like them to get Mercedes lewis the tight end randall cobb all his old friends in green bay who he's had some success with over the years but who he's aging right alongside and who did not have a ton of success this season. He called it ridiculous that uh, that the Jets uh, that that he provided the Jets with a wish list of players. Uh he said the Jets asked him about players he, he made he made no ma- he made no demands. He said my only demand is for transparency, which is the least self-aware thing that you can say if you're Aaron Rodgers because I don't think he's been transparent at all over the years. He said, did they ask me about certain guys that I've played with over the years? Of course. Did I talk glowingly about teammates that I love? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Um, He said, people want these things to be so true that like, I'm in this meeting dressed in ceremonial regalia, giving them some sort of handwritten note on parchment to demand a list of players they need to, people they need to sign. Um, Aaron, come on, it doesn't have to be that way. If, if If it's implied, if you've told them these are some guys... I'd like to go. I'd like to play with it. I would like you to go get. Maybe that doesn't constitute a demand or a or or anything else, but it is a wish list. Kind of sounds like a wish list. Like, hey, these are guys I really like. If you want me to come play here, it sure would help if we had these guys too. So, I don't know. Those are some of my favorite things that came from it. It was painful to listen to. It was kind of. It was just kind of cringy all around. It just just this guy who's just so desperate for attention and man. When he goes to New York, if he has success, they are going to love him. If and when he has any failure, he is going to get eaten alive. He got, you know, the Green Bay media does a great job covering the Packers because this is a very, you know, it's the one pro the the one pro team in town. But uh, I think the tone of coverage will be quite a bit different as he, you know, presumably embarks on this. Whenever the trades official, whatever the compensation becomes, this will be a different kind of journey for him. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the narrative changes, how the narrative might get shaped if and when Aaron Rodgers winds up in New York just as Brett Favre did 15 years ago. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together don't forget to join club m so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way
1: follow the lights to mystic lake
0: where every day is play day now the vikings we thought they might have to be a little bit more active on uh, on wednesday because you know they've they've agreed to terms with a lot of players you know they, uh, byron murphy Marcus Davenport, you know, guys that are bringing in on you know fairly expensive contracts, not long-term deals, but you know, but deals that are going to put a dent in a salary cap that was already pretty wonky going in. You know, they had to clear twenty-four million dollars in cap space, and you know, they've obviously they've, they've cut Adam Thielen, they cut uh, uh, Eric Kendricks, they've restructured Kirk Cousins in a way that converts some money but does not add any more years to his deal. Um, they did a restructure with Jordan Hicks, so they've done some things. To officially get under the threshold without signing any of these guys so none of these moves have become official yet because they still i think have some other things to do before they can sign these guys to be cap compliant so we thought maybe that would happen wednesday maybe it's going to happen today so all they really did on wednesday was announce these deals officially saying they've agreed to terms with all these guys that they've talked about and reportedly bringing back Alexander Madison, running back. I like that move, by the way. I think that's a good idea for them. I like Alexander Madison as a player. I think the deal he got is pretty good. I think it probably spells the end for Dalvin Cook, which I don't think was a surprise going into the season, or going into the offseason. So um, the the Madison deal, um, this was $7 million over two years, probably going to make him a bigger piece of the offense, you would think. I don't think he would be coming back here to be Dalvin Cook's understudy again when he could go somewhere else and get a lot more, you know, maybe a lot more playing time, a lot more reps. So I'm imagining he's been told something. We probably will find out something about Dalvin Cook today. But, uh, you know, uh, Alexander Madison, I think that's a, it's it's a good move. I like him. He's he's not Dalvin Cook in terms of explosiveness, but if the Vikings are looking for a little bit more consistency in the running game a little bit more efficiency in the running game I think Madison can give that to him he hits the hole quick he doesn't generally lose yards or you know get stuck at the line of scrimmage with Dalvin Cook does Dalvin Cook a lot more of that home run threat where he can take a ball you know 70 80 yards as he did last season against Miami against Buffalo he had some big runs no doubt about it but if you're looking to be in manageable downs and distances I think you can get there with Alexander Madison maybe even more effectively than you can with Dalvin Cook so we'll see if they do more with Dalvin Cook today or if they do other things to get themselves in a spot to get cap compliant but that was interesting I thought Madison might be gone he sure lingered on the field for a long time after that playoff loss to the Giants that I was at watched a few of those guys on the Vikings kind of you know, taking their time going off the field, wondering if they if that was their last home game. And I thought maybe it would be for Alexander Madison, but he is reportedly back with the Vikings, keeping him um, on on a deal for as many as two years, seven million dollars. So I like it for the Vikings. I think that's a good move. We'll see what it means for Dalvin Cook, and we'll see what else is to come for the Vikings on Thursday. So let's turn our attention right now to Gophers women's hockey for the next several minutes. Uh, program that has been one of the most consistently excellent teams not only at the University of Minnesota but in Minnesota sports I mean you just look at the list of what they've accomplished they've been in the in the NCA tournament almost every year I'm um, just reading you know 2002 3 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 2010 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 22 23 that's I only missed two years in uh the last 22 seasons that they have not you know that they they, they they that they've made the NCAA tournament uh they've made tons of frozen fours they've won seven NCAA tournament titles including four of them in a 5 year span between 2012 and 2016 but kind of like the Yankees when there is a gap at all when there's a a stretch of time when they don't win You start to notice it. They have not won a championship since 2016, and until this season, they had not been to the Frozen Four since 2019 when they were the NCAA tournament runner-ups. Now, there's only three years in between there. COVID played a big role in that. There's a lot going on there that's beyond their control. But even when there's a gap like that, even when it's been seven years since they won a title, when it's been four years, uh, you know, four-year span since they were in the Frozen Four you start to take notice. So now that they are back this year with an excellent team, a really good team, um, wanted to wanted to push to shine a little bit more of a light on that on this show. So I went over to access their access period on Wednesday, their last time before they headed up to Duluth. I believe there's some more access up there today, and then the semifinal Friday against Wisconsin um, team. They've played a whole bunch of times this year. I think they've played them five or six times already this season. But I wanted to know from a team that is so good that is that has been so consistently excellent how do you raise your game at this time of year is it a matter so much of you know trying to do more is it a matter of staying within yourself things like that so I was really interested in um in that subject and Taylor Heisey well one of the best players in the country she won the Patty Kazmaier Award as the best player last year was one of 10 finalists again this year um She was just tremendous talking about this subject, so I wanted to play some of that for you right now off of my question to her and some follow-ups from the other uh, assembled media on Wednesday at Ritter Arena.
2: Yeah, I think a quality is resiliency. Um, I think playoff hockey can be a lot of ups and downs if you don't focus on the right things. I think for me I always say you can control two things, it's your attitude and your effort. I can't control puck bounce, I can't control the ref the roughing situation, I can't control if a puck hops the stick of our goaltender. Um, I think it's more so being able to let things go and know like if you don't play happy and you don't play like you wanna be there, you're not gonna win a playoff game. And I know for us like knowing a lot of our opponents that are there Um, And the opponent that we have on Friday uh, is is awesome. I think we know what we're getting, and if you give what I know, if we give what we have, we're going to come out on the positive end of it. But like I said, the resiliency factor like if you get scored on, you got to bounce back. Um, I think some people can get caught up in if you're down, you're like, okay, this is my last game ever. And for me, like it's like, well, we got to come back. I don't want it to be my last game, so I'm not even going to think about that. Um, but yeah, for us, I think we're going to be really excited to just kind of come out and have a lot of fun. And when we ha- when we have fun and we're playing our game, I personally don't think anyone's better than us. If I'm ever nervous or anxious, I always say I'm underprepared. And for me, I never want to be underprepared for a moment. And I know I'm not for this. I have prepared... For the past five years to be here and every day in the summer when we wake up at 5 a.m to go skate like teams don't do that and we do so i think for us it's more so like we're not underprepared, so we shouldn't be anxious you can have butterflies but like we have prepared to be in this moment and like we're ready um i think for me like i try to exude that confidence not cockiness like we deserve to be there but like so does everyone else um that confidence exudes from me and I hope that it kind of like touches other people and like I believe in everyone and I make sure to like I'm a very vocal leader so I feel like I make sure to like touch on that and I know we have other leaders on our team that are the same way but I think the more I can come in with a positive attitude and just have a lot of fun I think people will follow and I know a lot of our other leaders and seniors as well do the same thing.
0: I thought it was interesting too um, that that Taylor Heisey was asked about um, you know do you have to keep your emotions in check she seems like she's a very you know, she has a lot of emotion, plays with a lot of emotion. Can that get in the way of performance in, in a game like this? And she kind of said the opposite for her, that she needs to be playing with that level of excitement in order to be at her best, to be who she is. So here is that answer to that question as well.
2: I think for me personally, I the more excited I am in the sense of like how prepared I am I feel like for me that's how I play my best I think other people kind of have to like oh my god like they're jittery I'm not jittery I'm just I feel like I just exude the confidence of someone who's put in the work every single day I'm on the ice two three hours a day like I've done the work I've done my job Um, I'm just excited to be able to prove to people how awesome we are
0: and again I just find it fascinating to hear from high level athletes kind of what their process is when the stakes get higher and I thought that was interesting from Taylor Heisey Brad Frost head coach of the gophers who's coached so many tremendous players over the years has won four of those seven ncaa titles as head coach of the gophers well, asked him kind of the same thing what is it what does he look for or what has? what has he seen over the years in players who are able to elevate their game or to play their best in these moments and here's what brad frost head coach of the gophers had to say about that well it's one thing to perform in the regular season right and uh um, but the best players have to be your best players. Um, but in saying that, your role players or maybe your third line or or your fifth and sixth D or whatever, they have to make an impact as well. And I think that's been one of the strengths of our team, team here as of late is our third line uh, with Madison Kaiser, Savannah Norcross, and, and Peyton Hemp. They've not only chipped in some goals, which is great, but uh, defensively, they're playing extremely well. Um, and uh, and giving us a chance there too. So again, Gophers versus Badgers Friday night up in Duluth might be a little bit of a trick to get there. A lot of rain, snow expected in the next day or so. Um, Duluth, uh, you know, the the pathway up to Duluth is supposed to get more than we get here. So we'll see what happens with you know how many people are able to get up there to watch this. Hopefully, you are able to get up there if you want to and check this out because that semifinal, this whole Frozen Four, should be awfully good up in Duluth let's finish with a bit of an extended cooler today uh Wolves and Wild both in the cooler today let's start with the Wolves um two things from the Wolves let's start with the game itself a frustrating 104-102 loss to the Celtics one of the best teams in the East Wolves their fifth home loss in a row been much better on the road uh road lately even their record at 35 and 35, just 12 games left in this regular season, they all matter so much, and we'll get back to that idea here in a minute. Um, you know, the game I thought, you know, Anthony Edwards had a good game. It was kind of the formula lately where Edwards scored a lot, and whatever was going to happen around him was largely going to determine the outcome of the game. And the bench just couldn't get much going, you know, early in the game to kind of give the Wolves any sort of separation. It was a pretty close game for most, through, most throughout. The Celtics took a, a decent-sized lead in the third quarter, but the Wolves rallied, battled back, got it to within two points in the fourth quarter. But there was all sorts of kind of questionable officiating. The Wolves getting very frustrated, boiled over in the final seconds where Anthony Edwards and um, and Kyle Anderson both got technical fouls, got tossed out of the game um, for, for that. So... You know, Chris Finch, Wolves coach, who's usually pretty staid and reserved in his comments uh, about, about things like that, about frustrations, was clearly frustrated about several things after the game, including, you know, the jump ball late in the game that did not seem like it was very fair at all, um, and you know, some of the other things that were happening. So here's Chris Finch on some frustrations from what he saw in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was like, it was rough. You know, it was really rough out there. Um, Felt a little unbalanced at times. I mean, uh, I don't understand why uh, there wasn't a delay a game when Tatum runs down the floor with the ball. I don't understand why there weren't technicals called uh, when Missoula's out on the floor twice in the action of play. Um, I didn't understand uh, some of the some of the verticality A to B. Um, you know, um, the, the, the 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 it seemed to kind of all kind of come unhinged at the time when. Um, you know Rudy got got his uh i don't know taunting technical or whatever it was. I don't know it just seemed to put everybody on edge, but I mean, I thought they fought through everything pretty well I mean obviously you don't want you know guys to get tossed out of the game, but um you know frustration levels were were high um and deservedly so i mean if you look at the uh i mean the jump ball But you know jump ball the guy the guy never threw it more than you know six and a half feet in the air um they were on the line. They came across. Uh, they were moving. I mean, it seems to me like there was a host of kind of like uh, opportunities for at least a redo.
0: Now, I look at that one of two ways. I, I do like, I do think that you have to say something when you see something like that. And I think there were instance, instances in this game, especially that jump ball, where the ball didn't even get above the heads, it seemed like, of the two players. And Rudy Gobert does not lose a jump ball very often. He said, with all due respect, I, I would not lose that jump ball if it was fair, essentially, uh, after the game. Um, so that was interesting to me, that, that that went against the Wolves, would have given them a chance to tie the game or take the lead if they had gotten possession of that late. Um, you know, Some of the other stuff is probably neither here nor there. Some of the physicality, yeah, I get that. I, I think overall the Wolves are showing a little bit of their frustration at the end of this season, just kind of the the grind of an NBA season trying to get kind of get over this hump they've been so you know right near 500 for so long this season that can be a tough place to get if you don't feel like you're gaining any ground if you don't feel like you can get the traction you need and you know frankly part of that traction is still missing Carl Anthony Towns and that's the other piece of what I want to talk about the Wolves did give a Carl Anthony Towns injury update that came out uh, early Wednesday morning um, said, though, Timberwolves announced the following injury update on forward center Carlton Towns, who's been sidelined since November 28th due to a right calf strain. It says, Towns is continuing to progress in his rehabilitation program and has been participating in basketball activities. He is expected to return in the coming weeks, and further updates to his playing status will be provided when available. Did not give me great comfort to see the word coming weeks Inserted in there because there are only 12 games left in this season. There are not a lot of weeks left in this season. That does still leave time for him to come back. But man, there's only 12 games left. If we're talking about coming weeks, if we're still not giving a timetable for return, if presumably he's still got some ramping up to do, uh, we're not talking about any time in the next few games, I would imagine. We're talking about coming weeks. How soon can he help? How soon can he help an offense that could clearly use him? Will he even be back at all? is a question that I've been asking for two months, and I felt crazy when I was asking it in mid-January. I don't feel like I'm crazy asking it in mid-March now. Is he even coming back at all this season? What is the the short-term future? What is the long-term future for Conley Towns? Um, With all due respect, I'm getting tired of seeing his posts on Instagram where he's dressed up in his fancy clothes. I just want to see him on the court if he's able to play. I get it. It's a long process. I get it. This is a serious injury. Calf strain is a serious injury. It doesn't sound serious, but it is very serious. I get all that. I think the frustration of kind of the timetable and where we're at, even if we did get this kind of vague update, I feel like that's a piece of it that's playing into all this. So where the rest of this season goes remains to be seen. I don't think the Wolves have a ton of extremely tough games left on their schedule. It's, you know, some tilts kind of more road against home, but maybe that's not so bad based on the way they've been playing. All 12 of these games down the stretch are games they can win. So we will see if they're able to do that and who will be on the court with them to help that process. Now the wild eight, five win, my goodness, uh, finishing up the cooler here, the wild. Yeah, that was a, that was kind of a throwback to last season. Dean Evison had complained. I think it was after their last game that they had been getting a little loose lately. And I don't think this was a tightening up at all. Um, an eight, five win over the blues. I mean, a win is a win. You'll take anything you can get, but, uh, that was an interesting one. Mark Andre Fleury almost getting into a fight with Jordan Bennington, the uh, the uh, Blues the Blues goalie who started scrapping after Ryan Hartman scored on him. That was quite quite the game. I guess the the overall takeaway of those, the Wild gets points again for the 14th consecutive game. 14 games in a row, the Wild has either won or lost at the end of. You know, lost after getting, you know, at least a point being tied at the end of regulation. So that is quite a strict there, on. A lot of those games were 2-1, 3-2. So 8-5 certainly gets your attention. But however you do it does not matter. The fact that they did get it done um, and now are just one point behind division leading Dallas. That tells you something. That they're able to score this much without Kirill Kaprizov, Uh, by the way, is also interesting. So we'll see where that gets him for the rest of the year. I'm sure Dean Evison would love to see them tighten things up a little bit. But you know what? He's not going to argue with any of the results, and neither am I. That will do it for today. Special fun coming up on Friday's show as well. I'm sure we'll have tons of Vikings talk. But uh, ChickenFinger69 of Twitter of the Sportive Podcast, who's joined me several times, will be on. We're going to reminisce about the 2012 Uh, WCHA Final 5 wild combination on St. Patrick's Day when it was 80 degrees on a Saturday in St. Patrick's Day when those two events were going on. It was maybe the greatest day of hockey in St. Paul history. It will stand in stark contrast to the 20 degrees we're going to experience on St. Patrick's Day this year. So hope you will enjoy that on Friday's show in addition to so much else. That is it for me today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again tomorrow.